It's our sad duty today to report that Rick Loomis, owner of Flying Buffalo Games, has passed away. If you play D&D and you have ever died to a devious and or overly complicated trap, uh, you probably have Rick to thank. Rick got a start in the gaming industry running Diplomacy as a play-by-mail game. He later created his own game that didn't require a referee so that he could join in, called Nuclear Destruction. Rick founded Flying Buffalo Games as a company to run play-by-mail games for profit. Later, he also got into publishing, churning Nuclear Destruction into a game known as Nuclear War. Also by Flying Buffalo is Grimtooth's Traps and the world's second oldest fantasy RPG, Tunnels and Trolls. At the time, a more lighthearted take on fantasy, which earned them a cease and desist from TSR. Rick was also the founder of Gamma and served as its president for several times through its history. Flying Buffalo will continue with his passing, and Rick is best summed up in the words of Steve Crompton, saying that Rick had, quote, a dream of wonderful fun games and worlds of adventure, games that inspired creativity and fun. Rick's games were always in the end about fun, not winning. Rick's dream will live on, and we, who he has left behind, will do our part to carry that dream forward, and we will never forget what he taught us. Patience, persistence, fun, and kindness. Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. another episode of the forgot my dice podcast i'm your host jonathan edwards and with me of course the graboids but not really to my weapons of remote massacre mr robert lundgren how you doing buddy? hello hello doing doing okay we have to put that disclaimer on so that we don't get uh you know hit up for a uh, cease and desist well it's the graboids too because because the worms weapons of mass of remote massacre are have nothing to do with that uh, nothing Nothing, but but we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're getting ahead of ourselves. I, I'm doing good. I'm busy. I'm so busy. School is starting. So much school is yeah. starting. Oh, I know. I'm so happy. The kids are back on a, a schedule, which just makes life a lot. Yeah, that starts tomorrow for me. And and yeah, it's it's been crazy. So I'm just prepping for that. And WoW Classic is not helping anything, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> we'll talk about this soon. <laughs> well, as always, we want to start off our episode with a big old thank you to our th- patrons over at patreon you guys help us keep the lights on and the servers humming and terrible dad jokes are flowing like so much sweet maple syrup out of a tree i have no idea where you're going with that neither do i let's move right along to happy happy uh, happy days what is our happy day today jonathan happy national ants on a log day so if uh, if you've ever needed an excuse to grab some celery slam some peanut butter into that death star trench and throw a couple raisins on top it is your day today, my friend. Happy na- Ants on a Log Day. I know this is going to make me sound like some kind of crazed lunatic, but I don't like peanut butter. Does it make you die? Do you have a peanut allergy? No, no allergy. I just have a dislike of it, uh, which is interesting because I absolutely adore almond butter. I think almond butter is basically ground up unicorn horn that has been put on this earth to make me happy. Uh, I want you to paint a mental picture for yourself. It's it's uh, San Francisco. It's a little cloudy. You see... Uh, Donald Sutherland, and he's looking at you, and he does that shriek of the uh, of the replicants because that is horrifying. Oh, you are not one God, of that's us. The moment right there. That's the you moment. are not one of us, sir. 
That's that's. that's I don't okay. even know what you are, but you're obviously a space alien. I'll just go hide in the hide in the shadows. Okay. No, but that would make you the space alien and me the last remaining human. I just want to point out the the fallacy. No, 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 no. You are the deadly space alien. No, no, no. You're the deadly space alien. You don't like peanut butter. Moved off the shelf. You disgust me. (laughs) Fair enough. But seriously, have you ever had almond butter? Yes. Yes, it's vomitous. What? Vomitous. It's so bad. Oh, God. I would fill a bathtub with it and backstroke through it like Scrooge McDuck in the coins if I could. Oh, oh, it's so bad. I love almond butter. I don't know. That's how I feel about peanut butter. It's horrifying. All right, well, it's time for our off-the-shelf segment. This is, of course, our segment where we talk about all the stuff that we've had off of our shelves, onto our tables, and most importantly, into our hearts. Robert, where would you like to get started today? What's tickling your fancy? Uh, You know, honestly, I've got cool stuff every which way, so I, I, I have no idea. Why don't we shake it up and start with other? <laughs> I don't have another, though. You I do. Other, I though. do. Well, you asked in the last episode, what is the magic that the Marvel movies have that the DC movies haven't have? And I've, I've given it far too much thought. And I've got a theory. I'm going to throw it by you. All right. Okay? All right. My theory is, and, and this, is kinda, uh, this is not a dig at Zack Snyder, but um, it's joy. And hear me out. Okay, so the two DC uh, DC Universe movies that have probably been the most successful and probably gotten closest to Marvel movies have been Wonder Woman and Shazam. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I think that's a, a fair statement. Okay, so what do those two movies have in common? And I was thinking about it, and it's... It's, <laughs> it's the lack of something they have in common. <laughs> well, it's... No, it's that they, the people running the show very obviously like the source material and and really wanted to get something across from that you know like uh, uh patty patty jenkins right she did wonder woman and she she's wanted to make a comic book movie for freaking ever and, and she you know she really went out with wonder woman like she wanted to do things and she had like a vision and and you know like she really had something and she fought too she fought really she, hard she had pitched it previously yeah yeah well it, and also like uh the whole like uh, no man's land scene where diana goes across the the, the thing the the no man's land she she had to fight for that. They didn't want to put that in. Like the execs were like, uh, but I, I've heard that before. I've heard a lot that the the execs fight you on things because Warner Brothers thinks they know more than you. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah. Den- Dennis Ditweiler. The box at, office numbers seem to indicate otherwise. Well, yeah, they don't know what they're talking about. I, Dennis Ditweiler was tweeting. Uh, he's the guy. He's one of the Delta Green authors, so I pay attention to him. And he tweeted out that he actually was a VP at Warner Brothers briefly. And he uh, he he shared a story where he walked in on day one and they showed him a sizzle reel of um, Man of Steel. And then they also showed him like the first 30 minutes of Mad Max Fury Road with no special effects in it. And they asked him what he thought. And he said Man of Steel is a pile of hot garbage. My words, not his. I maybe he was more diplomatic, uh, but this was a Twitter story. And then he said Mad Max Fury Road is going to be the biggest thing you've ever seen. And the exec said, no, you're wrong. Man of Steel is going to be amazing. This uh, we just want that guy to make more dancing penguins movies, so we threw him some money so he could do this little vanity project. It's not going to go anywhere, and that was when he knew that he had picked the wrong job on day one. Uh, his his words, not mine. Uh, so um, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. You know, like and, and Zack Snyder, he 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 got fired from Justice League. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, he's kind of come out. And yeah, in. there's a lot of uh, additional reports coming out now that a little time has gone by. Yeah, he he completely got fired from Justice League, and he talked about what his vision was. And, you know, 
I saw where he was going with it and a lot of people missed it. You know, they, they were saying like Superman, he didn't want to show like competent Superman. He wanted to show incompetent Superman becoming competent Superman. And that was his arc. But he, you know, again, got fought along the way. Um, and like the plot was very different. It was supposed to be two movies and yeah, there was a lot more to it apparently. Regardless, uh, I've, I've also heard stories that Patty fought for scenes. So she had passion. She was like, no, we're going to do it this way. And, you know, she it, it got across. And then I, I don't know much about the production of Shazam, but Shazam definitely has a lot more of a of a somebody who was into it feeling because yeah. there's a lot of I read the comic that that movie's based on. And, and like I said, I think the movie's a, a improvement on the comic. They iterated a little bit, made Billy a little bit more of a sympathetic character, which worked. I mean, he was still kind of a brat, but he was more of a brat with a heart of gold instead of just a just a juvenile delinquent, <laughs> which he was in the comic. You know the one that I'm still left scratching my head over? Hmm. The absolute crack pipe that is Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say he's not good. And no, it's, it's not. It's pretty good. No, it's not good. It's but man, not, you're gonna see some stuff. You no, know what it's I mean? not good, but it's it, you're gonna see some it's stuff. So bizarrely entertaining. Oh uh, yeah, in a weird way. But anyway, yeah, yeah. I, maybe Aquaman's a good example of that too, because James Wan just like James Wan. It, it's pretty obvious he just wanted to film that. Like he had this like he's like, how can we make this work? And he's like, we just gotta like go all in on it. And boy, did they. <laughs> But that's the thing too. Like it was, he, he wanted to do, and maybe that's it. Maybe it's just, you know, like he's willing to, there are people who are willing to fight for it and just really have this like idea of like, I want to really do this, this, whatever this is. <laughs> you know what that reminds me of? Was it Austin Powers that he has 21 on the table and he says, hit me. <laughs> I also liked it. No, it was a uh, 20. I also, yeah. yeah. Cause he could get 21. It's possible. It's just bloody unlikely. It's just ridiculous. Like, that movie's just so ridiculous. I don't even know where to begin with it. I need to watch that movie again. I kind of want to watch it again, just for, for no other better reason than to try and understand what is happening to me. <laughs> but yeah, so there you go. Uh, that's my theory. It's, uh, it's a good theory. That Marvel movies, because uh, Kevin, Kevin uh, the producer, likes comics. He worked for Marvel forever. And he just hires people that, you know, even if they're not, like, fans, because I don't think uh, those... Uh, the guys who did like Endgame, I, I forget the brothers' names. Um, the Russo brothers. Russo brothers. Yeah, I don't think like they were necessarily like Captain America fans necessarily or whatever, but they had an idea. They like wanted to do something. They wanted to basically make a superhero techno thriller. And Kevin was really good at like sort of mining that. And you know, if, if he like they say because from what I understand of the Marvel movies, what they say is they sort of have a loose outline of like this is the connective tissue that needs to exist in here. Like you need to write this into this plot. You know, whatever it is. So uh, from what I understand about uh, uh, Winter Soldier, it was just that S.H.I.E.L.D. had to be Hydra. That was like it. Like that that was the that was the thing going in. It's like S.H.I.E.L.D. needs to be Hydra. And I think there was another piece to that puzzle that was the interconnectedness. You know what works best about that movie, though? Hmm. It, it, it's the fact that they focused on making a good techno thriller first and foremost. Right, right. But, that, but that's the point. Like they said, OK, this is what we need to go in there. Pitch it. Like we need these two pieces make that work. What's your pitch making that work? And, and he, they hire people who just like have this idea. They're like, it'd be really cool to make like a, a superhero techno thriller. It'd be fun and it'd be different. And, you know, and, and yeah, like, and, and it was, that was my favorite movie, but regardless, yes, I think that's, uh, I think that's the difference. They just hire people and they let them have their vision, you know, as long as it kind of fits within a framework, like they give them a framework, they give them some limitations and then say, get creative within that limitation. And I think that's the magic. 
And I, that's what the DC universe ones don't have because they give them, they do- you can tell there's a heavy hand trying to make everything work a certain way. Yeah. And it, 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 it doesn't, it, it doesn't work because of that. Nope. Like I said, technically they're apt, you know, there's a certain technical aptitude at work there. It's the problem is that they lack. Yeah, that's something. Heart and passion. Right, right. And and Aquaman, Wonder Woman and Shazam definitely had those. Shazam, not as much. You could feel it a little bit in that one. But at that point, I I think, I don't know what what was going on with the production of that. I haven't read too much about it. But yeah, Wonder Woman and Aquaman, I, I really get the feeling that they, you know, yeah, they stumbled into it. But anyway, that's my theory. So man, Aquaman comes off like an eighties, eighties uh, action show pitch meeting at, at CBS. <laughs> and then there will be fishmen, like pain and bad and weird ideas. And they'll you know? they'll have like a little little uh, you know what are those little lights that hang off their face with the teeth? And it's like yeah, man, oh oh, this blows so good. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's what it feels like. That's what it feels like. So uh, what have you been reading? We'll talk about reading. Uh, I am continuing Dune. I'm a little more than halfway through, which means that I'm on the tail end of book two, Muad'Dib. Okay, nice. Yeah, you know, no spoilers for those who have uh, read it, but uh, uh, Paul is now linked up with the Fremen. So uh, it's it's to me, it's it's where the book starts really getting good. It goes from good to, to great in this section. So I'm really excited. Nice, nice. Still uh, still on Dune Watch 2020. Okay. Any Any news report on Dune Watch? Uh, the board game, uh, is supposed to be coming out any millisecond now. Uh, it was supposed to be the end of August, which has since come and gone and, uh, not quite out in the wild yet, but I am stalking my FLGS waiting for that day. Nice. Nice. With most small publishers, from what I understand, uh, what happens is they send the board game out to the various distributors and once they get confirmed that all of the distributors have the board game, that's when they tell them they can go ahead and release it. So, well, I am licking my chops. So that is that process is probably happening right now. That would be my guess. There were a couple new set pictures uh, released for the movie. Mm-hmm. You should go check them out. They're available online. I am hoping that we have a teaser uh, in the fall movie rush. Ooh, good times. Because it's fall 2020. Um, so I'm hoping that this fall we get the, the first teaser with uh, some of the big fall releases. It would be epic if it was on Star Wars. Oh, God. Who's uh who's making Dune? What studio? Uh, I ooh, question. I think it's Warner Brothers. Let me see. Dun, dun, dun. God, have you seen the 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 cast list? By the way, no, no, I know nothing. I don't want to know. Yeah, it's Legendary Pictures. Uh, oh, it's Warner Univers- Brothers is the distributor. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. You know, now that we've talked about it, I think I'm just gonna watch Blade Runner 2049 again this week. <laughs> You're man possessed. I am, man. Oh God, I'm so excited. By the way, uh, new new news. Uh, Hans Zimmer has uh, uh, affirmed that he is in fact scoring Dune. That guy is so strange. <laughs> hey, man, he did a great job on Blade Runner. He's a weird guy. Like I've I, I I'm a big soundtrack snob. His stuff is so hit and miss with me. Like it's either genius or just kind of experimental garbage. And uh, and I don't know. Yeah, that dude's just weird. Well, all I can say is that he had a chance to do um, the the new movie from Christopher Nolan called Tenet. But um, he actually opted for Dune because he has a personal love of Dune. So that that to me is the right. That that tells me everything I need to know (laughs) because he's putting his heart into it. That's fair. That's fair. Not that he doesn't on every score, but I mean, this is a personal love. 
Well, there you go. Okay, okay. We'll talk about the teaser when it comes out. Can I talk about Die? Sure, tell me about Die. Oh, my God. Have you read it yet? I told you to read no, it. No, I haven't had a chance. Oh. I haven't had a chance. Okay, so it's an Image comic. so whatever app or service or whatever Image Comics are on, you should be able to find it. It's relatively new. The The trade for it just came out, uh, collecting the first five issues, and issue six actually hit last month in August. So it's it's a relatively new series. It's basically the premise of the D&D cartoon, right? So in the 90s, uh, these six kids get together to play a role-playing game. During the role-playing game, after they make characters, they get handed these special dice that the dungeon master guy or the GM found somehow, right? And they get whisked away somewhere, and they're just gone for two years. And then two years later, all the kids show back up. And one of them's missing an arm. Oh, oh no, five of the six show back up. And one of the one of the girls is missing an arm. And they won't talk about what happened. They say they can't talk about it. And then it flashes forward to now. And they're all in their mid-40s. The 20-sided dice that the Game Master guy had, who's the guy who didn't come back, uh, shows back up again. And so the dude calls the group back together to try to figure out what they're going to do because they think maybe he finally came back and they're trying to figure out if they should go looking for him. And then the D20 does its thing and whisks them back to the fantasy world as 40-year-old people. And uh, yeah, it's kind of a deconstruction of like that D&D cartoon in a weird way because it's... Uh, Is there a unicorn named Uni? No, no. It's It shows... <sighs> If you went to a world that a role-playing game is set in in real life, it would be kind of horrible and traumatic because uh, just a lot of weird stuff and like a lot of like tropes that GMs throw at players because that happens in the comic. Uh, they would be awful like <laughs> in real life. And But what's interesting about the book is while it's kind of being deconstructionist and edgy because it's like, ah, oh, it's the grim, dark D&D cartoon, meh. Um, it's the guy who writes it. Uh, what's his name? Uh, hold on. While we wait for Robert to find the book, it's time for your fun facts about the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon. Here's one for you. Uni the Unicorn was played by Mr. Frank Welker. You might better know him as Megatron from Transformers. All right, so uh, the guy who writes it is the same guy who wrote um, The Wicked Wicked Plus the Divine, or Wicked and Divine, or whatever it's called, uh, Kyrian Gillen. I've heard of that. That's supposed to be quite Yeah, yeah, I I went and got it from the library because I like die so much that I was like, I want to read some of this dude's other work. While that is going on simultaneously, it's really stinking obvious that uh, Kieran has played a lot of RPGs, like a lot. And so a lot of like the sort of gaming tropes and stuff like come in and it's written from a point of view where <sighs> at no point do they depict any of these people who are playing these games and have a part of these games as like sad people. Like they're, they're just, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's almost like a celebration of the medium because if you play a lot of role-playing games and you know a lot of like role-playing game tropes and storylines and you've played it like you see it but you see it from the point of view of people who are actually in the world instead of like outside it and it's it's really interesting and it's just really really well written and like you know the classic stuff happens like they go to a bar at one point in issue three i think and these dwarves walk up to them and they get in a drinking contest because that's just stuff that happens in D D. you know like i i've i've done that i've had that happen with my players it's just it's so good it's so well written and weird and and I really want to read it. You you got me sold on it completely. Yeah, yeah. And then like everybody all, all the guys in the or all the people in the group, they have character classes and the character classes are kind of interesting twists on D&D character classes and I I don't want to spoil it cuz it's it's good when you read it. But yeah, it's it's so good. <laughs> I was 
uh, I heard about it on an episode of Ken Robin talk about stuff, and I just sort of on a lark was like, does the library have it? And it was like, oh, yeah, they do. And so, I, yeah, it was so good. It was so good. And uh, I made everybody in the house read it. And then, all right, I'll be, I'll read it soon. I, yeah, yeah. And then I, uh, and then I turned it back in early because I'm like more, because I was, I was on the wait list for it. Actually, somebody's waiting for it. And I'm like, I want them to have it sooner because I want them to read it too. Whoever that person, whoever you are in Hillsboro, you're welcome. Have it early. <laughs> it's great. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's another fun fact from the D&D cartoon. Frank Welker also played the voice of Tiamat. Isn't it Frank Optimus Prime Welker? Isn't that his actual name? No. Or is it Megatron? No, Frank Megatron. Megatron Welker. That's right. That's right. That's right. Optimus Prime was played by, by Peter, Peter Cullen. Cullen. That's right. Also a member of the voice cast for the D&D cartoon. He played Vengar. Yeah. Yeah. Venger. The Force of Evil. Venger. 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 Yes. 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 The main antagonist. I know all this because I have the D&D cartoon on D- uh, uh, DVD box set. Okay. So I'm not done with Die yet. Because this is also why Die is great. Did you know that Presto spells disaster? Yes. Because Uni knew that. So uh, the guy who wrote the the guy who wrote Die, Kiernan, he's a big fan of RPGs. So you know what he also did uh, when the uh, trade paperback was released? Uh, he released on PDF the RPG version of Die. Like he made his own role-playing game and it's free. It's on the interwebs. You can download it. I have. I read it. And it's funny because the guy's like, I'm not a professional. I'm just kind of doing this as a lark and, and blah, 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 blah. Here's 138 pages of rules <laughs> and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's really good. It's it's a little it, – it's basically an indie game, like a story game because the, the concept is meta. You don't make like a D&D character. You don't make a fantasy world character. What you do is you make a teenager – uh, who may not may or may not be you, uh, but it could be you. But you make a teenager who's going to play a role playing game where they get whisked into the role playing game. That is the setup. And uh, what's also interesting about it is you make your you know you make your character, but you don't pick your character class because the six character classes from the comic are you know in there. The DM hands those out, and then the DM also has roles too because the DM is a character in there uh, known as the I can't remember right now. Um, but the DM is a character too, and you have rules as the DM that you have to follow to antagonize your players. And it's designed to be kind of like a eh, four, five, six session experience, and then you're supposed to kind of be done with it because he doesn't have campaign rules in it. It's just kind of a thing. Uh, it's really good. It's really, really well written. It's obvious he he's uh, he's doing that imposter syndrome thing because he keeps talking about how he's like a terrible novice and he doesn't know what he's doing, and it's really good the whole time through. And like the fourth or fifth time he said that, I just wanted to slap him and say, "Shut your mouth, Kieran, and you're fine. Get back to it." But yes, so yeah, go go. Uh, it's uh, it's at diecomic.com forward slash rpg. Go get it. It's it's well worth it. And and what I loved about it, what they say you should do, Jonathan when you run it for your friends you don't run it in his world although you could if you wanted and when he says if and when he actually releases the game he will put in lore about his world that they go to no they say he says to use yours like ideally what you do is you play this game with a group of people who you have played a game with so like say you've played like the the tyranny of dragons or D D or whatever whatever you play what what you do is you have those characters go to that fantasy world after that campaign concluded and it's supposed to be like the same place because it's meta. And I'm like, that's friggin' genius. It's like a an ex- like an epilogue-y experience to a campaign that you ran. Like, I, I, I don't know. I thought it was really well done. So there you go. Die, the RPG. Check it out. Any thoughts? Excellent, excellent. No. No, I really want to play it. Okay. <clears throat> I really want to read it. 
Well, you can. It's free. And it's very long. Uh, uh, moving on. Uh, last time I talked about Gravity Falls, so I went and uh, went to the library and th- saw what Gravity Falls stuff they had. Uh, they have a comic book. Uh, I was a little disappointed in the comic because uh, I was led to believe it was a continuation, like it took place after uh, the conclusion of the series. But no, it's uh, it's basically four episodes that are supposed to fit in between certain episodes of the series, and they were put there because apparently they were a little too weird uh, for uh, for Disney, but they weren't too weird for Disney Publishing, which I get. Uh, one of them involves a demon that seals people's faces. So yeah, that was kind of yeah yeah. <laughs> now we're talking yeah yeah yeah. The creepy part is uh, it steals uh, Mabel's face, and so there's a scene where um, I can see how that might be slightly upsetting for a yeah child. Oh no, there's this great moment where uh, 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 Grunkle Stan uh, goes into like the TV room and he sees like Mabel with his back turned to him uh, watching TV, and he's just kind of talking to her, and then he like looks down and realizes that she doesn't have a face, and then Mabel like picks up this like you know red sharpie and just draws a smile on her blank face. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's freaking horrible. Yeah, it's a really good moment. I'll, I'll find that again and send you a picture of it. But yeah, it's it's it, it, it was good. It was just I wanted I wanted to see what happened to Dipper and Mabel next summer, and I'm not getting that, which is a little sad. And I don't think I ever will because I found out Alex Hirsch, the guy who made the series, he's working for Netflix now. He's going to make a Netflix show. So yay, we'll get something, but not more Gravity Falls probably, which is sad. And then I sent you pictures of it. So in the in the universe, there's a MacGuffin that uh, Dipper has called the Third Journal, which is ju- just this journal of weirdness of Gravity Falls. And they made it like you can own it. And it's like the like you open up pages of it and they're like taken from, you know, it's like it's like a prop. It's like a real physical thing that you can have that's straight out of this cartoon. It's amazing. I showed you that picture, yeah, right? It's not the first time I've seen something like this product wise where they've, they've taken something out of a, a cartoon or a movie and and extrapolated it out so that they have a physical version of it. And it's one of my most favorite things that people do. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's great. So yeah, I, I, I need to, I actually have to take that back pretty soon. I need to flip through it a little bit more, but yeah, it's uh it's, it's good times. It's good times. So, uh, can we, is it a good time to segue into TVs and movies and whatnot? Yes. I would like to point out that Kevin Michael Richardson is one of the voice actors on gravity falls. You may know him better. From a little film from 1995 called Mortal Kombat. Nice, nice. I'm full of fun facts today, buddy. Yeah, you're full of IMDb. You know today. who he was? Who? The speaking voice for Goro. Mmm. Okay. <laughs> but, and this is all bringing it back together. And don't ask me why I know so much about voice actors. I just, I, I've always been fascinated by it. Do you know who made all the vocal effects for Goro? No. Bringing it right back to that first set of facts from Dungeons and Dragons cartoons, Mr. Frank Welker. Frank Megatron Welker. Yeah, Frank Megatron Welker. Okay, so you should watch Gravity Falls. It's great. I finished it. It's really good. A lot of people say that Gravity Falls only lasted two seasons because obviously Disney canceled it. But no, it's pretty clear that like that show obviously has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And uh, it's really good like it ended perfectly and everybody had arcs and everybody got wrapped up. It, it was astounding. It was a great TV show. I highly recommend it. And JK Simmons shows up uh, for the final half of the last season as uh, uh grunkle Ford. That's a big spoiler. I, I, I apologize. So yeah, spoiler alert, retroactive spoiler alert. Sorry about that. That is a big spoiler, but it doesn't matter. JK Simmons shows up and JK Simmons is maze balls. So Jonathan, go watch that show. It's, it's, uh, I, I of of all the children's programming I've watched, I honestly it it's up there. <laughs> I 
I don't want to say it's better than Steven Universe, which is the current top spot, because... I'm sure it'll be on the new uh, Disney streaming service, so I, I will definitely... Oh, did you get that? Did you get the promo that I sent you? Yes. Nice. Yeah. Nice. You paid for the three months or three years up front. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. It's a good deal. Well, yeah. I mean, with, when you have kids in the house, like, that's just, that's just a no-brainer, you know? All right. So, what have you been watching? Uh, gosh... Not a whole lot of TV. Haven't had a ton of time, but um, I did manage to squeeze in. Uh, <laughs> the kids wanted to watch something actually adventure and uh, so we watched Warcraft. <laughs> that movie's so bizarre. <laughs> you know what? Let me tell you. There's two movies in there, okay? Yeah. One is the story about the orcs, and that is really good and compelling. Dude, and dude you, play, you play you play WoW well now. That, that is the Horde, sir. Like, get, get it yeah. right. Yeah. And it, okay, so the Horde story is interesting. Yes, it is. It's it's very well acted, too. It, it's it's compelling yeah. and uh, engaging. Yeah. And then they show the humans, and the whole damn thing falls apart because the human parts are just freaking ridiculous. It's just so stupid. Yeah, yeah, completely agreed. It's like they hired two writers, one with talent, and the other a three-year-old from Poughkeepsie named, you know, Reginald. Yeah. And Reginald doesn't know how to write for, for crap. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Sorry, Reginald, you suck. Yeah, it's a shame. Like, I, yeah, I, I I mean, I'm a hardcore Alliance player, but yeah. Like the, the, those those horde sections of the movie. Yeah. I mean, there's something spectacular going on. I, there. There's right? something engaging and interesting and genuinely neat. Yeah. And like heartfelt. And you're just like and then the human parts are just overacted garbage. <laughs> And it's almost like they were directed by two different people too, you know? Yeah, right. Right? It, it's lunacy, man. I don't. I can't wrap my head around. I it. know. I know. I know. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I. I, I love agree. me some Ben Foster. He is an amazing, amazing character actor. What the hell is he doing in this movie? Other than stinking the joint up, like it, it just doesn't even make any sense. Like his role doesn't make sense. Is it, it just is it's just crazy. It's cuckoo banana pants on the human side and awesome movie on the ogre side. Horde, sir, horde. Ogres horde. ogres are not part of the horde necessarily. So there you go. Right. I've, I've talked about that movie on the show before. I don't know. It did really big in China, I guess. Yeah, I was hoping they'd make another one. It's obviously the beginning of something. They even call it Warcraft the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's it's sort of following the story of warcraft one sort of i think if i remember my my lore correctly well there's half of a really good movie there. yeah no agreed agreed yeah no like it, the the continuation of that with like thrall um and and all the stuff that happens to him is really it, you know like yeah no there's like a lot of lore in warcraft have you played warcraft 3 a long time ago. Yeah, long, long time. Ago. You should you should try playing that again, uh, especially because if you're if you're playing WoW, especially WoW Classic, like WoW Classic is basically a sequel to Warcraft Three. Aren't they bringing out Warcraft Three, uh, like some fancy HD version? Yeah, yeah, they are. They are. I'll replay it then. Okay. Uh, the other movie I got a chance to see was um, uh, I cooked all the kids some uh, fancy grilled ham and cheese sandwiches, and we watched Godzilla: King of the Monsters. So how how do you how do you feel about that one? Well, on the one hand, half my brain's like monsters and they're fighting, and I was having a great time. Mm-hmm. And all the monsters look like they should, which made me super happy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the other side of me kept on tuning into the plot occasionally and realizing how friggin' ridiculous it was. Yeah, like the first movies were stretching the limit, but never strayed so far from reality to make it not fun. These just like 
there was just some shark jumping going on. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely. It's like all of a sudden we got this giant flying wing super fortress thing, and it's dumping ospreys out like poop. Yeah, you know, honestly, like stuff like that that comes straight out of the classic movies. Like, there's a lot of weird homages to like the '70s Godzilla movies in there, '60s and '70s. Yeah, I don't hate it because of that, but I don't think it made for a very good film because those aren't like the. I don't know. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Like Godzilla movies completely and 100% hinge on if you give a crap what's going on with the humans. And if you don't and everybody and I, I it drove me nuts when 14 came out because people would say like, yeah, I just want to see monsters fight. I don't care about it. I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. But see, 14, you do care about the people. Right. And it's a good movie because of it. And this yeah, one. Absolutely. This one. It, it's like, I'm going to destroy humanity to save the world. It's like, what? What? What is this? I, there's all these coworkers I've known for years. How about I murder them with mercenaries? Because that'll be good in front of my daughter, right? Yeah, uh, I, I don't even want to get started down on that. Back. Yeah, no, but it's like it's such utter nonsense, and it's like I just didn't care. And because I didn't care about what was happening to the people, like all the monsters fighting, it it was just a video game. I didn't care. And it was a video game I wasn't even playing. I, I don't even. There like were that. some very beautifully constructed shots. And, and and it was monster porn. They don't, but they don't doubt. get credit for that. It's it's too easy to make good looking no, movies agreed, now. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. No, it's it's a crap movie. Like it just doesn't make any sense. And and honestly, I feel like they wasted a bunch of the monsters. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, you could have had something spectacular going for a bunch of different movies, but instead, you you, you blew everything on one. It's a very loose remake of uh, uh, Destroy All Monsters. It it very loose with it yeah but we weren't there yet and and the timing between the sequel five years between the movies was just senseless yeah no i i completely agree it was it was just it didn't do very well i'm not i'm not shocked and 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 that's the thing like and i've heard a lot of people like complain about it like it was just a video game it's like yeah it was just a video game because you didn't care about the people like you that story has to work for you and it doesn't have to work awesomely it doesn't have to be a good story with the people you just have to care (laughs) <laughs> that's all you need to do you just have to care like one of my favorite old godzilla movies is godzilla versus gigan which is so dumb it's about space cockroaches jonathan and and a cartoon artist yeah but i the story with the cartoon artist is is really good it's engaging he's got a girlfriend he's got his little his you know and he's just a dude and and you know i, I kind of dug that story it wasn't good it wasn't great and space cockroaches you know what the common ter- you know what the common thread here is what? This, this goes back to our commentary previously hmm warner brothers truth truth so hopefully kong can pull it out of the out of the gutter but i i don't have a lot of hope i don't know man that last kong movie was so awesome i still haven't so seen it much still haven't seen it you haven't seen skull island i keep hoping it'll stream somewhere and it just hasn't it- oh my gosh no robert it's a great movie uh, okay, hold up hold up hold up i'll get it from the library i don't know why i haven't done this previous <laughs> oh man no like i didn't realize you hadn't seen it yet the, the skull island is freaking awesome all right all right i put on hold i should i should have it I, I should have it for the next time probably okay i mean it still made money it's fine the i king of monsters hey. made 386 million worldwide off of a 170 million dollar uh, budget and yeah, didn't make money so it's break even when you factor in marketing costs well you're, you're assuming that they got the entirety of that haul which they don't. They they have to yeah, share true. a bit of it that's for true. the the theater rentals and whatnot. And Toho gets a Toho gets a big slice. I'm sure. I'm I'm positive they do. Well, I got one one last thing I watched. Uh, King Ghidorah was awesome. Y- huh? Yes, he was. 
I got one. So remember, I, I talked to you a, a bit ago about that movie, What We Do in Shadows with the vampires. Yes. So uh, FX, so I guess Disney, I guess now, made a TV series out of it. Uh, it ran for 10 episodes two years ago or a year ago, I think in like late 2018, and it's coming back in 2020 for season two. But yes, uh, I started watching What We Do in Shadows, the TV show. And uh, it retreads a lot of the same kind of jokes and humor that the movie did because the movie, it, it's a very similar premise. It's about vampires who live together in a documentary crew filming them for no reason that you can fathom. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, and, and they, they recycle some of the same jokes. But yeah, it's, uh, it's still pretty funny. Uh, it's, it's about different characters, but it is in the same universe because apparently, uh, 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 what's his name? The guy who directed Thor 3. Takandi, uh, I'm Taiki, uh, Taiko Watiti. Taiko Watiti. Yeah, he he reprises his character from the movie uh, in the season finale, and he directed the season finale actually. But yeah, yeah, it's about a different group of vampires, and they're in uh, Staten Island. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I was having a good time. And then we uh, we accidentally canceled Hulu early, and now I can't watch it. So we may have to go back and fix that. We will see. We will see. But I watched the first five episodes. They were fun. So I would recommend that. Yeah, I'm, um, I would like to watch that very much. And when I say accidentally canceled Hulu, we'd come back with our free month and we realized, oh, we should just cancel it because we'll be done with the show in a couple days. And then we cancel it and they're like, free month? <laughs> Get out of here now. And we're like, ah, damn it. <laughs> so PSA people, if you get that free month, just like set an alarm and cancel it on the last day, not a few days before. It sounds like something Lincoln said to me the other day. What? Uh, he kicked Sophia in the face, and when we asked him what happened, he said, her face accidentally ran into my phone. <laughs> Look, I, it's not how any of that works, kiddo. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move into video games, Robert. What, what have you been playing? Well, I was playing a lot of Dragon Quest Builders 2 until, like, a phoenix rising from the ashes wow came back into my life for the first time in five six years i think yeah yeah and you dragged me into it i know oh it's so good jonathan it's so so good i'm having a good time it's so good oh oh my god okay so this is this is the thing i did not expect about playing uh wow classic i really thought I would get a nice face full of nostalgia and have a really good time, you know, and just sort of see things again and play them again and uh, do all that. And uh, no, you know what happened instead, Jonathan? I'm oddly not nostalgic about it. That Blizzard magic is in there. And what over the years, like World of Warcraft has become this beast that I do not recognize or understand anymore. And that like Blizzard magic of it was gone. But man, WoW Classic. Oh my God, Jonathan, it has that magic and it's so good. You you and I were actually talking about this before. And I I told you, for whatever reason, WoW never drew me in. I've tried it a couple times, but Classic has which tells me that whatever changes they've made are not appealing to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, agreed. Cause I, I tried playing it. Uh, I, I tried my wife and I, because the queues are so long, uh, we tried playing, uh, some of our other characters cause we have a subscription. We can just do it. And even though we don't have the current expansion, um, you, you get everything up to the current expansion. They only make you pay for the most recent one. So like we could play, because uh, our, our characters, the last characters we played together, uh, we could play them for another 15 levels, like uh, two two more expansions. 
three more three more expansions actually because two of them were five or yeah whatever anyway two i think actually but yeah like we got a plenty of content we could do but we it was just unrecognizable and things were so different and it's so intimidating because you know when you have a high level character with all of their abilities and they're all different and changed and you just don't know where to do it anymore you know what i mean yeah but oh man like starting over even as because we play characters we've never played before and and not even like i i've played a paladin but i can't tell gina anything about playing paladins because i didn't play a paladin in vanilla i I didn't do that until wrath of the lich king and uh, i played a mage a mage and a druid for a real little bit in uh in classic so i know i know my majory really classic majory but i don't know anything else and i'm playing a fighter i don't know anything about fighters but yeah it's so good jonathan it's so good I've been having a blast with it. I've been playing it with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to. We need to power level you a little bit because you, you haven't done the thing that I love doing. Like, like I have a plan, and like my plan is is going well. So, uh, my wife and I we rolled a tank and a healer, which is to say we rolled a paladin and a, a warrior. And uh, I've been going. I, I they they say like don't level in the protection tree. Don't level as prot. Level as fear. You won't have fun. And and you know what I say to people who say things like that to my face, Jonathan. I I look at them and I tell them to fork off. I'm going to do what I want and I'm going to be contrary for contrariness sake. And I'm going to level pride. Don't you tell me what to do. I'll do the opposite. And, and I just realized if I'm going to be an idiot and do something like that, you know what I, I have to do? I have to just go do dungeons constantly because that's, that's all you can do is prot. That's what you're good at. You're good at tanking and you don't have much of a thing to do unless you're fighting bosses. And you know what? Leveling in dungeons is so fun. Oh, I'm excited. I'm, wow, I'm getting there. Wow, I'm dun- halfway to where I, get, I need to be to do that. Yeah, you need to you need to get to level 15 to walk into the first dungeon that's easily accessible to the I think alliance. I'm just about to roll over into seven. Okay, well, yeah, we need we need to power level you. Maybe we can go grind a little bit because I can between me and Gina, we can we can we can do a little AOE grinding, which should hopefully get you experience fastish. But oh, it's so good. Oh, doing dungeons because those dungeons they're so they're so bad. They're, but they're so, you know what's weird? Okay, so 2004. World of Warcraft was designed to be like a more accessible MMO, right? Yeah. And they have made changes throughout the last 15 years to make the game more and more and more and more accessible and easy and whatever. And in the meantime, I think they've kind of shaken off some of the the magic of it, but we can, if you're a fan, I'm I'm not going to argue with you because you're having fun and, and wow, it's fun. So the thing is now, 15 years later, they bring back WoW Classic and instead of being like accessible it's kind of a throwback and it's kind of inaccessible and i've seen a lot of mmos try to be like that inaccessible mmo like vanguard there there are a couple that were supposed to be like hardcore but like mmos have gotten so loosey-goosey and and not hardcore that wow almost is hardcore now or classic wow you know and uh it's it's good it's good because of that like it's inaccessibility like 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 (laughs) like that comic i sent you you know (laughs) All of that awfulness like brings you together in joint suffering and, and there's something beautiful about it and it's amazing and I love it. Do you feel the suffering, Jonathan? Do you feel it? I, I've just been having a good time. Okay. It hasn't been suffering. Okay. Yet. I, I am a little sick of killing wolves though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can move on to Westfall and then you can start killing coyote. Hoorah. Let's party. Yeah. Yeah. Coyote <laughs> and more buzzards. So many buzzards and coyote and then inexplicably these little elementals that roam around and whoop your ass because they're like level 19 when everything else is like level 14 max in that zone yeah kill via- how i felt when i found the first bandits 
<laughs> oh yeah dude the story uh, do you know the the lore of the defias brotherhood it's messed up no okay 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 sorry sorry we're gonna go out on tangent here um so uh i think during the second war aka warcraft 2 uh Stormwind got destroyed it got it got raised to the ground and so they hired the stonemasons guild the the nobles did to rebuild Stormwind, which they did they rebuilt it from the foundations all the way up and the nobles were like good job good job and they went up to the leader of the stonemasons guild a dude named edwin van cleef and they said hey home skillet why don't you and your like lieutenants and whatever take some cushy government jobs well we will pay you well and then um we'll just like exile all these stonemasons and then not pay them and uh, and we will continue on like nothing happened and edwin van cleef said no and started a riot and that riot uh killed some people including the king's wife and so they all got exiled from Stormwind. And so, uh, yeah. And so he turned his stonemason guild into a, the Defias Brotherhood and started robbing the rich of Stormwind to get paid, to get their dollar bills. And that is the story of the Defias Brotherhood. I like it. Yeah. And you know what? Straight up, you get hired to kill Edwin Van Cleef. He is the last boss of the Dead Mines. No, oh, that's cool. So, yes. So the guy who got stiffed on his payment by the nobility, you get paid to kill him because he's making uh the evil banditry happen which i think makes you the bad guys i think i'm the baddie in that case are you the baddie in that case i think you are yeah in a way in a way i think you are. yeah so but that's kind of what's fun about classic wow if you paid if you do a lot of the human centric storylines uh the there 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 is uh there's some bad apples that is spoiling everything in stormwind there's a lot of weird corruption and that that storyline pl- pays out over the entire course of the game it is pretty cool. I don't want to spoil it for you, Jonathan. I want you to experience it yourself for the first time. But actually, like, read the quest, quest text if you're staying in human areas. There is, there is this whole very longly played out story about the corruption within Stormwind and what it is. And it's really good. Well, I'm definitely uh, looking forward to experiencing it on my own. Yes. Yes. And no spoilers because I know what happened. I fought that evil and I stole its hat. And it's mine now. Your hat is mine. <laughs> All right, well, let's move right on into board games. Um, you've been playing something online, yes? Yes, I've been playing uh, Not Alone Still with Ray. Hi, Ray! And Brendan. Hi, Brendan! And my wife. Hello, wife. And I got to be the hunter this time in this game, which has been really interesting, seeing the other side of it. And uh, me being me and trying to be a little annoying slash funny slash entertaining, I've decided to roleplay my stuff and be kind of affably evil. So I'm trying to be a nice monster who's trying to consume everybody and steal their consciousness. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's good times. It's good times. Trying to talk them into becoming Billy from Stranger Things 3. It's probably, it's like, it'd be a good idea if you did that. You know, you'll still kind of be you, right? (laughs) How's that going for you? I was doing really well at the beginning of the game. And uh, the problem is uh, basically a lot of my resources are dictated by the humans doing well. And since I did well in the beginning, we're kind of getting into like the mid to late game and I don't have a lot of resources. So I'm kind of not doing well right now. And they're catching up, which I guess is good design because uh, we're, we're evening out. So there's that. But that's it. Not alone. Still fun. You should join us. It's good times. Ah, I wish I wish I had a little bit more time. Maybe maybe soon. I, I literally, I literally look at that game at most twice a day because you know it's board game arena. That's what happens. <laughs> All right. Well, tell me when you're restarting a new one. Okay. 
Uh, I've been playing some Scythe, uh, the the Steam version, uh, which is kind of nice because I don't have anybody around lately that's wanted to play Scythe, so that gives me my Scythe fix. Question. If I got that, could we play together? Yes. Noted. And then uh, I've also been playing a lot of Jaipur. Uh, a couple of the kids are really into Jaipur, so we've been kind of playing the living daylights out of that, actually. And then uh, I whipped out Giant Killer Robots because I brought home the expansion uh from uh from gen con uh how is that going uh i like it the new expansion sweet and salty they're they're two new robots with some really neat weaponry and they're pretty cool i'm uh quite pleased in fact i think the the sweetie robot could be just my favorite of the bunch oh those robots are sweet which one's salty the pink one or the uh, purple, purple one? one is salty sweetie is the pink one you like sweetie yeah is that like an icbm on her back or is that like a spray paint sure can? feels like it <laughs> That is, that is a big rocket tube. Yeah, I like Sweetie. That's a cool-looking design. So is that thing up top on her head like a cockpit, or is, is that some sort of grinder? Yeah, it's supposed to kind of be like the cockpit. Oh, okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. I, having a face grinder would be kind of funny, like headbutt and just like, like sand it in. It would be kind of nifty. Make that happen. Make that happen. That's all I'm saying. All right. You know what they should do? You know what they need to do? <laughs> you guys need to pick up – it can't be that expensive – uh, the rights to robot jocks and make a special expansion with the Russian and the U.S. Uh, robots from robot amazing. jocks and throw it in. And then we could get the uh, the Russian. Yeah, if you uh, want that effect, go pick up Critical Mass. Yes, but does it have the Russian uh, uh, totally not a, a saw blade penis robot? I don't know that there's a saw blade penis. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. recall seeing one when I played it. Okay. But uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to say there isn't one either. Okay. Okay. Fair. Fair. What's that one called again then? Uh, critical Mass. Okay, I will look that up during the break. Oh yeah, you're talking about that. It's the card game. Yeah, I no, I really liked it too. It's a really neat game. Yeah, yeah. I actually went looking for it at my local place, but they did not have it. So I was like, oh, I will go look at that at the other local place. But then I forgot. Anyway, moving along, moving along. Nothing to see here. All right, and then the only other thing I've been playing is uh, Terror Below. But we're going to talk about that extensively in the next few minutes. Like fifteen minutes, maybe less. Feels about right. Not a lot. New- Feels about right. Not a lot of news. Which is a which is a good time to say that we are going to take a quick break because this is the end of our off the shelf segment. So we'll be back in just a few minutes, and when we come back, it'll be time for our wisdom crowds, which will be very tiny this time because uh, we are in the the lull after Gen Con. Boy, are we! (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, we'll be right back. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by hitting us up at one of the following. You can join us on Patreon, where we post bonus content. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitter. Find us at Forgot My Dice. You can join us in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash FMD podcast. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give Forgot My Dice a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Lastly, for those of you seeking experiences beyond our concepts of pleasure and pain, set the Lamont configuration to full hell mode. Oddly, you can find us in several levels of the labyrinth as the only thing playing on the radio. Wait, what? I have such sights to show you, Jonathan. Ah, I need to take your Netflix account away from you. And welcome back. It is now time for our Wisdom of Crowd segment. This is, of course, our bi-weekly tabletop news segment. Question mark? Question mark. Yeah, not a lot to talk about. 
All right. Uh, Orleans Stories has been announced for Essen pre-order. Uh, this is uh, set in the same universe as Orleans, which uh, has gotten quite a lot of positive buzz. It's for two to four players and uh, averages between one and three hours. Game includes a couple different stories. You have the First Kingdom and the King's Favor, and each have different conditions and rules. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, some interesting uh, strategy in the Orleans universe. So that's kind of interesting. Fun. Also, uh, Alexander Fister, uh, who you may know from such hits as uh, Great Western Trail or Isle of Sky or Broom Service, he's got a new game coming out. It's called Mar- Maracaibo. Interesting. What's it about? It's a uh, heavy strategy game that takes place in the 17th century Caribbean. Oh. So it's kind of an age of sail game. Mm. Um, you're seafarers, you're out on the high sea, you're trying to make your fortune. You do this by upgrading your ships, fulfilling quests, um, going on expeditions, and a bunch of other ways. So uh, it, it should be a point salad, probably, if it's anything like some of the other things that he's done. And I love I love that era. You know, Age of Sail era is always good. Yeah, true, true. True, true. Under the file of D&D is definitely permeating into all aspects of nerd culture. Uh, Funko Pop has announced that they are getting some D&D Funko Pops. Starting with Pop Mind Flare, Pop Asmodeus, and Pop Minsk and Boo. I kind of want that Pop Mind Flare. <laughs> yeah, they're all cute. I like I like Minsk and Boo because the hamster's on his head. It's very cute. Um, but yes, yes, uh, those will be coming. I don't know how soon, but they announced it today. They've got renders, so they're probably pretty far along in production. And yeah, so it'll join all of that other pop culture stuff that uh, pop is known for which is i think yeah a pretty clear sign that pop uh, that dnd has entered the a much wider mainstream pop culture which is kind of interesting lucky duck games has a new game coming out soon it's called uh, mutants and it's a deck builder uh, where you're forming up a team of genetically modified gladiators nice yes it was on kickstarter in 2018 and now lucky duck is bringing it to retail which is really neat Two to four players, um, you mix and match a bunch of genetics. Uh, you end up starting with the same cards, but you're shopping from an asymmetrical gene pool, so kind of classic uh, classic deck builder stuff, Star Realm style or, or Ascension style. Um, you've got a hand of six cards, and uh, yeah, we all know how deck builders work, so I'm, I'm really kind of looking forward to this. I'm looking at some of the art and stuff. It really neat, looks neat. Go, go check out Mutants from Lucky Duck. Cool. And then in the environmental side of things, Hasbro is trying to become greener. Um, they are, uh, they say that they've been a, a proponent of environmental sustainability for a long time, but uh, in 2020, the company will be phasing out their usage of plastic in product packaging. Oh, nice. Good. Blister packs, elastic bands, poly bags, shrink wrap. It's all going. They're hoping that by the end of 2022, um, they will have completely eliminated plastic from all of their packaging. So it's kind of interesting. It'll be, it needs to see how this works out. And remember, uh, when you say Hasbro, you also mean Wizards of the Coast and D&D and Magic the Gathering, which I've seen. Uh, they've had like cardboard uh, pack wrappers instead of the foil ones. I wonder if they're going to get rid of those, too. That would be interesting. La- last year, they introduced a plant-based PET, which is kind of neat. Hmm. Okay. Well, there you go. That's good. And maybe the map packs and the Dungeon Masters guides will come in like a little box or sleeve or something. That'd be nice. 
good on Hasbro. Indeed, indeed. And then finally, the last bit of news. I saved this one for last because it's the one that's got me most excited. Our friends over at IDW have a new comic coming out, Robert. Go on. It's based on Rising Sun. Intriguing. Any word on who's writing it? Uh, Ron Mars and David Rodriguez, uh, who have been working on IDW's Skylanders. Uh, illustrations will be by Martin Cocolo. He did Star Trek Year 5 uh, that was published by IDW as well. And the storyline will include Chiyoko of the Koi Clan, leader of a group of powerful warriors, the best each clan has to offer on a mission to save Japan from dragons and monsters. But perhaps the greatest threat she faces is not the many monsters who are ravaging the country, but her very own team. It's going to start out as a three-book miniseries, and then uh, following issues will also provide exclusive content that is supposed to enhance the gameplay experience. So we'll have to see what that means. So wait, you're going to get Rising Sun stuff in the in the comic? I don't know. They don't really define it. I'm kind of I'm kind of curious to see where they go with it. Uh, I think I know something you're going to buy. And while you're there, why don't you read Die and pick up the latest issues of that too? Just saying. I mean, I will. I will. All right. Which means that's the hit for the news. A short segment, but we still have a year in the life to talk about. Wow! Wow! Less than seven minutes. And I, mean, I haven't even edited that we yet. We warned everybody. We warned everybody. <laughs> it's, a, it's a quiet, slow time. Yeah. Oh, crap. All right. So what happened a year ago? <laughs> Forgot my dice. Episode 46. Slightly annoy me. No longer. I'd be curious. I'd be curious to see how long the news was in that one. Oh, yeah. I haven't listened to it yet. Uh, but we did uh, Starship Samurai. I like that game. I, I picked up the expansion recently. How is it? Uh, it's cool. Uh, additional additional mechs. I remember that deep dive. You said there was one coming, and uh, you were excited. Or they had plans for one or something at the time. You, you mentioned it. You well, mentioned now it. I have it, and my excitement was uh, all repaid in kind. Oh, wow. So, like, last year was Wrecking Ball. Uh, that was during uh, my Pokemon Go. Oh, yeah, and Dragon Quest had just come out. Oh, my gosh. Eleven. Sorry, just looking over the notes. There's a... Uh, that's the spoopy tales of Pokemon Go when I ran into that guy who was probably there to get drugs or something in the playground at the middle of the night, 10 o'clock at night, where I noped out of that parking lot because there's a weirdo just standing there next to an open truck. <laughs> you know who likes Starship Samurai a lot, by the way? Dale. Hi, Dale. No, Carlos. Carlos. Oh. Yeah, I haven't oh. had a chance to play it with Dale, come to think of it. Oh, my gosh. That was the beginning of my Dragon Quest insanity. That's kind of frightening. And here we are a year later, and it's still going. Yeah, yeah, just with builders. Although it's sad. Oh, no, they, they announced another game that I'm, I'm kind of interested in, so we'll see what happens. They announced a new series in the Monsters series, which is their basically their, their version of Pokemon. But they invented it because they did that in Dragon Quest V. You got monsters and you trained them. I got nothing. I'm just trying to drag this out. We're not even going to hit 10 minutes on the record if we keep going like this. Let's just end it, Jonathan. I think we're done. We'll take another short break <laughs> after a short segment. And when we come back, we will talk about the terror below in our deep dive. Not at all graboids. Not no, at all. Absolutely not. Because Very distinct that IP. Would come with a licensing fee that we can't afford. Right. Very distinct. Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? 
We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. And welcome back. It is now time for our deep dive. And on today's deep dive, we're going to be talking about Terror Below, a new game from Renegade Games. Terror Below is a game of government experiments gone wild in the Nevada desert. The faster you move, the more vibrations you make, attracting the attention of the vicious worms underground. Navigate the difficult terrain to collect valuable worm eggs and deliver them to locations around town to claim bounties. If you're feeling lucky, collect items and weapons to go hunt them. The goal of Terror Below is to be the first player to score 20 victory points by collecting worm eggs and delivering them to locations around town, or, alternatively, by hunting down and killing those vicious worms. All right, so let's talk about Terror Below, Robert. Yeah, let's do it. Or definitely not Tremors, the board game. Not at all Tremors, the board game. Tell me how to play this game, Jonathan. All right, so Terror Below's an interesting game at its heart it's basically a pickup and deliver game but uh, as you are running around in your uh, custom vehicle uh, because everybody's meeple is a vehicle uh, you're governed by a bunch of different rules on how often you can move it's based on cards that you play uh, vehicle cards and they have a set number of action points that you get and those action points translate to actions in the game uh, which uh, encompass moving and a couple of other idea uh, of things now, when you move uh, around and you use these action cards, you are also going to be playing down uh, some symbols at the bottom that are linked to distractions, and those distractions govern worm movement. So on your turn, based on what you play, you can move the worms around the board uh, because you've got three different bays uh, that are occupied by worms, and depending on what bay you play your card to, that's the worm that will be distracted and moved around. So there's a little bit of a take that um, along with the rest of the game because you're actually trying to move the worms to slow down your opponents while giving you a clear run to deliver items. Unless, of course, you want to go on the offensive because if you are near a worm when it attacks and get caught up in that attack, you have the opportunity to uh, attack it with different weapons that you can farm in the game. And those weapons are going to give you the opportunity to kill it. And if you kill it, between that and delivering uh, different eggs uh, around the board that the worms are putting down, you have the opportunity to finish out contracts, and those contracts are worth big, big victory points. So in a sense, you're killing for points, you're delivering stuff for points, or you're uh, meeting these contracts that are out on the board for even more points. Make sense? Yeah, so I'm looking at some images right now. Sorry, I'm going to do an aside. I'm I'm seeing these meeples that look like trucks. Is is that the players themselves? Yeah, those are, are the you, players themselves. Oh, so you're, oh, cute. So you're you're in a truck hunting, not okay. Exactly. Cool, and what's cool. interesting is the there there is no monster on the board. Instead, you're moving around these three uh, target tokens, and those tokens are representing a specific monster, which is uh, represented in the bay below. So I'm seeing pictures of a uh, of a monster token, but that is that that was the Kickstarter exclusive, right? If I remember my yes, yes, my research. I'm correctly. playing the, the the retail version. Okay, so you don't have that cool no. God, that'd be fun to paint. I'm looking at it. It's a shame. Yeah, it was a cool. It was a cool uh, little mini. Yeah, you you just got to pick it up at Gen Con and then send it to me next year. Deal. Deal. Sorry, go on. Or, or is that it? You just play. You play cards into the bay and then move the dude around. Yeah. So basically, you, you play a, the 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 turn is 
uh, broken down into a couple different components, right? The first thing that you're going to do on your uh, turn is you are going to play a vehicle card, and you're going to resolve that card. Uh, then you're going to refill your hand. Those are the three steps. So when you play a vehicle card, things move in a specific direction down the card. When you play it, you're going to resolve the card, which gives you the total number of action points. And the first thing you're going to do is the distraction at the bottom of the of the card. That's the directions that a worm's target token is going to be. And that's going to be based on which worm you apply the card to. Now, this becomes important later because each worm has a total number of cards that can be applied to it before it gets really, really pissed off. In a sense, the vibrations that you're making running around, eventually you're going to attract it. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, once you have uh, figured out what the distraction is and, and what is affected by the distraction, each of those vehicle cards is going to have a set number of action points and you'll have an opportunity to then perform actions. Your actions are pretty straightforward. You've got orthogonal movement. Every space that you move is an action point. You've got removing rubble from a space adjacent to your pond because your truck cannot go through spaces with rubble on it, and rubble is constantly being thrown on the board whenever the worms burst up from the ground and uh, start creating havoc. I was going to ask you about that because there were pictures with uh, these little gray... Little plastic uh, rocks, yeah. Yeah, okay, so that's rubble. Every time a worm bursts from the ground, you look at the worm's card, and that worm card will have a pattern that it throws rubble around. That's cool. Along with a color egg that it drops. That's very cool. I like that. You can pick up the egg in your space, if there is one, uh, and you can carry any number of eggs, which means if there's multiple eggs in a space, you can pick those all up uh, one at a time. And then you can deliver an egg. So if you uh, look at the pictures of the board, you'll see that there's a couple of locations there. And these locations are things like a government office or a sheriff's station, etc. And uh, you can deliver an egg at any time to any of those places. But if you have a bounty, uh, which is uh, those, those contracts at the top of the board, uh, if you have a bounty that you are fulfilling when you do that delivery, you get more points than just a standard delivery. Quick question. When you're talking more points, like the first person to get to 20 wins, so... I mean, when you're talking more points, are you talking like two instead of one, or or what do you... Well, it depends on the contract. Some contracts are worth three, some are worth four, some are worth more. Oh, wow. That's a lot. Okay. There's also some bonuses based on where you deliver stuff. Like, if you go to the general store, you get to draw another item card. And those item cards are uh, particularly important because they have things like worm traps, uh, worm bait, etc., that you can use to manipulate the, the worm situation a little more in your favor. Uh, you can also draw weapon cards, which are uh, the only way to kill a worm. If you go to the motel, you get an extra victory point token. Uh, if you go to the, the state police station, you get to draw a weapon card. And speaking of movement, uh, just looking at, at some of the pictures, there's a board that has like a canyon in it. Is that like an alternate board? Yes, or? it's a two-sided board, and if you flip that sucker over, you have an alternate board. One of the actions you can do is called ramping, and that is where you jump over uh, either an enemy <laughs> character or uh, that chasm, and that acts as an action. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. We talked about how you place those those movement cards, and eventually it triggers the worm. When the worm triggers, it basically is uh, surfacing, and then uh, has an attack pattern that it does when it surfaces. And anybody that is in that attack pattern gets caught up in the attack, and has an opportunity to then fight the worm. Fighting the worm is as simple as applying weapon cards uh, to it. Each weapon card has a different effect. Some are a set number of damage that it does. Some are you know, damage based on die rolls, etc. 
and every worm has a specific life point. And if the total number that you throw down on your weapons is higher than the life of the worm, you've killed it. Now, you can do this cooperatively. If there's more than one hunter out there fighting that worm, uh, on your turn, you can throw down as many weapon cards as you want. If somebody else throws down a couple more, whoever deals the killing blow wins. But there's a semi-co-op for, um, uh, action there because everybody's been putting damage towards that total number. So there's a little bit of like a bluffing thing because if you think someone's going to jump in on it, you... Yeah, you, yeah. You could, you could certainly play it that way. Huh. I like it. Yeah, there's some asymmetry in it as well. Uh, you have a squad of three different characters and only one of them is active at any given time because people can die in the game. And if they die, uh, you go to your reserve characters. And every single character in the game is unique and has unique individual power. Well, then, uh, Jonathan, once again, I ask you, how is that rule book? Yeah, the rule book was great. Uh, pretty straightforward, easy to follow. There, there were a couple of minor points that I um, wish they'd covered in a little more detail, like uh, in a call out box or something to make it more uh, apparent that it was a something interesting that you needed to pay a little more attention to because a couple of rules the first time I played uh, were kind of forgotten. And then on a second playthrough, as we were referencing the rule book, we realized, oh, hey, we made a couple of mistakes. Nothing major. Well, it's the first time, too. Okay. Index, table of contents? There is a table of contents, but there is no index, although there is an excellent appendix to help with some uh, general rule questions at the end. And uh, we talked about it a little bit already because uh, people have pictures on the web of their groovy uh, Kickstarter version of it, which has some cool figures. But the retail version, how are the components? They're great. Uh, the print quality is fantastic. Uh, you get uh, some, some scenery that you can put around the board to spice things up, uh, which are basically portraits of the different worms. And uh, beyond that, it's just cards and dice and plastic rocks and plastic eggs. Oh, so the eggs are plastic even in yeah. the retail. That's cool. Because that was a stretch goal I saw in the, uh, in the Kickstarter. Apparently you got applied to the retail as well. Anything off about the game and the execution of their uh, not-at-all tremors? No, I was having a blast. It's highly thematic, uh, especially with the ramping. It totally feels like an 80s action movie, which is great. And yeah, you hit the turbo boost? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it, it's fun, man. It, it's like, it's a total pick-up-and-deliver uh, pick game, and there's a really clever puzzle in how you're going to mess with the other players on the board. And that that's where the puzzle is, and that's... It's nifty. I really am enjoying it. Uh, did you say what the player count was? I don't remember. Player count is one to five. Uh, there is a single player variant in the rule book, which is kind of neat. I have not tried that yet. Uh, okay. I can say I've played it at two, at three, and at five players, and all have been phenomenal. Okay. Is it better in any version? There's more interaction the more players you put in between players. And so is that interaction better? Uh, you know, that just depends on your on your personal viewpoint. I think a little bit of take that mechanic in a game is fun. And I, you know, I, I, but I could see how other people might think that's mean. You know, your, your mileage may vary. You're going to have a lot less interaction with less players on the board. This was quick and easy, but Jonathan, can you tell me one last thing about the game that you want to tell our, our listening audience? Yeah. When I first hopped into this game, I was thinking, man, I don't know how these mechanics are going to make this feel like tremors, but you know what? This game works on every level. Which, of course, we'd never, ever accuse this game of being just like Tremors, right? Definitely not. No. Definitely not. Definitely not. Man, lo and behold, the, the, as you start playing the game and you start seeing how everything comes together, this goes from what felt like it was going to be an abstract experience to a highly thematic one. And it tells some really good stories while you play. 
uh, like that time that Carlos was making a beeline for an egg, and I managed to uh, do a ramp jump over him to steal the egg, and then I attracted the worm and made it burst right next to him so that he got caught up in the attack and had to focus his efforts elsewhere momentarily. (laughs) <laughs> you know it's little moments like that that this game really excels at it, it, it's telling a neat story each and every time you play and there's so much variation uh in in what really is a very simple mechanic and that's that's awesome that is terrible by renegade games out in retail with all the coolness except for the one plastic worm miniature which you're going to totally somehow get for me at gen con thank you very much i'll see what i can do hell yeah well, with that, Robert, that brings us to the end of episode 70 of the I Forgot My Dice podcast. Please, as always, join us on all of our digital domains. We'd love to hear from you. I'm especially curious to hear your thoughts on this DC Universe thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which leaves us, of course, Robert, at one final thing, and that is, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, I just sent you an article because you're about to hit level 10 and get your first talent point. So, uh, yeah. You should go arms. That's what I'm reading on the internet. If you play by yourself, you should go arms because you have three specs as a warrior. Arms, fury, and protection. Arms is where it's at. I'm actually in arms right now because there's a really good talent uh, in it that's 11 points in that I want to get because it'll help me more than anything else. I'm anxious to see the, the talent tree and see all this. this yeah, uh, the, the article I sent you has it. And, and there's, there's plenty of them online that you can fool around with. The talent trees were... Uh, they were annoying. Uh, they got rid of them later, uh, which for good or for ill, uh, because they basically said like some of the talents weren't choices. You know, there were you could you could spec yourself into a bad spec and have a bad experience. And so they just took it out and the the good stuff, they just rolled it into your character instead of, you know, whatever. But uh, yeah, the talents were fun because sometimes you discover weird stuff like in Wrath of the Lich King when I played a Frostfire Mage. That was fun. That was an interesting spec. I had a good time, but it was a little janky. And it wasn't very good, but it was fun, which sometimes is all you need. Go play WoW Classic. We have a we have a guild yeah, come on Grobulus. I would love to have the nerd cred because there's a whole bunch of like of my former coworkers on there, and uh, and then my former coworkers, former coworkers. So we all like work together in various capacities at some in some way or fashion. But I'd love to have somebody on there, especially if you're cool and interact with people in a nice way. That it's like, yeah, yeah, you're my fan. Like, you're the only person that hasn't worked with anybody there. You're like the weirdo. I apologize for that. No, it's okay. I've been having a good time. I heard you chatting. I, I heard you chatting with people. I think I think you're having fun. Yeah. No, I was having a good time. And they were giving me good info. So, yeah. Yeah. Come join us. Grobulus. RPPVP. It's full. So you get to have the added benefit of having to wait an hour to play the game. <laughs> That's a feature, Robert. That is a feature. Okay. It makes the game more precious. It's like a fine wine. You sip it. You don't, you don't guzzle it. <laughs> When we have these awkward moments at the end, I'm always thinking about the, the end of uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You're still here? Why are you here? Jonathan, finish the podcast. <laughs> Tell us to be excellent to one another and go home. That is true. That is the only thing left to do. And that is, Robert, be excellent to one another and party on. Isn't it nice that when you log into our guild, it says, first thing, be excellent to one another? good way to start the day good this is a life lesson right there that's right that's right party on jonathan party on the music you heard in this podcast was intro by elifiel additional music was provided by brian winkleman 
Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you, 